All right, we welcome you back. And I hope I'm not hitting this missions bike ride thing too much. I just don't want to bike in vain. You know, Paul says I don't want to run in vain. I don't want to bike in vain. So, um, No, it's a great way to uh, several ministers from our, our state will be going. And um, I've been wanting to go several years, and this year I think it'll, it's, it's going to work out. So. Um, so I'm looking forward to that. And there's even rumor that our general superintendent might be there and maybe some of the other national leadership because we'll be in Missouri and I think they also, some of them also bike so they might come up and join us for a day. So that'd be cool. be kind of cool. All right, we welcome those that are watching on Facebook Live. So there's several there. So we welcome you this morning. And uh, good to have you wish with us. Amen. We are going to be back in the book of Acts. Uh, last week we, um, <coughs> we talked... Um, what did we talk about? We talked about Acts 19, right? And we talked about how a city is transformed, right? Um, and so we looked at three different points there. It takes believers that are filled with the Holy Spirit. It takes marketplace evangelism. And on that note, uh, we were wanting to do a Berean class this fall. And so um, I'm still working on the details on that. But I think the one I want to do is called uh, the local church and evangelism. So... Um, but marketplace, getting into our communities and sharing the love of Christ there. And then number three is believers with an authentic relationship with Christ. Because it, it uh, takes more than people that are just Christian in name only. We have to live that out in our own life. And so we, we had the illustration of there, the seven sons of Sceva, they get beat up by the, the demon-possessed man. And they just didn't have an authentic relationship with Christ. And so it kind of backfired on them. This morning, we're going to kind of finish up the last part of Acts chapter 19. I didn't really touch upon that. And so the premise of the book of Acts is Acts 1.8, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. You'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth, right? And so uh, through the book of Acts, we see that the, the gospel mission goes from Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria. Now we're to the ends of the earth part where we've gone into Macedonia, Greece, and eventually we're going to end up in Rome. So that's not that far away where Paul will end up in Rome. Um, and so some exciting things happen as he on his way there. So we're going to look at this last part of Acts chapter 19. And I've entitled the message The Big Squeeze. And it's not a big hug. But, um, you know, we, we had a board meeting this past week. And I just, I just was, you know, how are, how are people doing? And that's the question I had is how are you guys doing? But also how are people doing? Because I'm, I'm, I'm sensing not in our ministers, I'm sensing in, in people in general that, that um, whether it was COVID or was the other things over the past three years or whatever, there's still something that is not back to the way we used to be. Um, some people, but people aren't talking about it as much because it seems like, well, you know, it was COVID and we're just kind of tired of wanting to blame things, right? We're just kind of, but we're just trying to survive and kind of go through. And maybe that resonates with you that maybe, yeah, there's just something missing in my life. And when we look at this account of, of Paul, Luke records this, what happens, what we're going to read here. It's kind of a very dramatic, a very intense moment in Paul's life. And he has a lot of those, okay? 
But Luke doesn't record what is happening in the life of Paul. Paul will write about it later in 2 Corinthians. And so we're going to jump from Acts and then look at what he says in 2 Corinthians. So um, on his second missionary journey, Paul will spend two and a half years in Corinth. And then he goes to Ephesus. He'll be in Ephesus three years. And then he, he kind of transitioned into his third missionary journey. Um, and then he'll write 1 Corinthians and Ephesus and then 2 Corinthians from Macedonia, kind of maybe Philippi area would be Macedonia. So let's have a word of prayer and jump in together. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it is the living word of God that can change and transform us. It can renew us um, and make us into who you've called us to be. Fill us with your presence, we pray. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Um, Before, hmm, Miles, if you can come help me out here real fast. Can you come help me out real fast? You have to hurry up, okay? Come on, hurry up. Um, he's going on a secret mission for me. All right, so let's read this together. We're going to start in verse 23 of verse, uh, chapter 19, verse 23, all right? Um, and so... Paul is in Ephesus. We know that um, the gospel is recorded here that not only has in Ephesus been impacted, it's about a community of about 250,000 people, um, but it's in, been impacted so much that the, um, the sorcerers give up their scrolls worth about $5 million or more, okay? Um, they burn them in the streets. Um, not only has Ephesus been impacted, but it goes through all of Asia because Ephesus was this major city where people traveled through. It was a port city, but also was kind of this hub in Asia, what is called now modern-day Turkey, all right? And so um, there's some things that happened there. That's recorded in the first part of Acts chapter 19. That's what we focused in on last week. But in verse 23, all right, verse 23, let's go for there, all right? So about at this time, after all this had happened, there arose a great disturbance about the way. A silversmith named Demetrius, who made silver shrines of Artemis. So we know that Artemis was uh, the main goddess in Ephesus. Ephesus was known for this temple that was dedicated to Artemis, the goddess of the hunt, uh, fertility. Um, there was a lot of things. She was, yeah, a lot of different things. But she was one of the Greek gods that um, people, that's what Ephesus was known for. All right, and Demetrius would make these silver shrines of Artemis and, and brought in a lot of business for the craftsmen there. And he called the craftsmen together along with the workers and the related trades and says, you know, my friends, that we received a good income from this business. And you see in here how this fellow Paul has convinced and led stray large numbers of people who are here in Ephesus. So now we get the impact. This isn't just Paul and Luke saying, hey, a lot of people have come to know Christ, but it's impacted these businesses in such a way that they're concerned that their livelihood is gone, all right? He's led astray many people in Ephesus and in practically the whole province of Asia. He says that the gods made by human hands are not gods at all. Awesome, awesome. Thank you, man. 
All right. Will that stay there? Okay. All right. This isn't Wilson. This is Spaulding. <laughs> All right. If you watched that movie. All right. And in practically the whole province of Asia. So now we see just how Paul impacted Ephesus, but now it spreads throughout all of Asia. He says that the gods not made by human hands are gods made by human hands are not gods at all. There, verse twenty-seven. There is a danger not only that this trade will lose its name, but also that the temple of the great goddess Artemis will be discredited, and the goddess herself, who is worshipped throughout the province of Asia and the world, will be robbed of her divine majesty. Huge dilemma here. Verse twenty-eight. When they heard this, they were furious and began shouting, Great is Artemis of the Ephesians. And soon the whole city was in an uproar. The people seized Gaius and Aristarchus and Paul's traveling companions from Macedonia. And all of them rushed into the theater together. Show me a picture of the theater there, Chris. Can you show that? Um, that the theater still stands to this day. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a huge theater. So it still stands today. Most of Ephesus is ruins. Um, but that still stands today, all right? Brought him into this theater, all right? And Paul wanted to appear before the crowd, and wanted, uh, but the disciples would not let him. Even some of the officials of the province, friends of Paul, sent him a message begging him not to venture into the theater. The assembly was in confusion. Some were shouting one thing, some were another. Most of the people did not know why they were there. You ever been part of one of those things? Hopefully not. The Jews in the crowd pushed Alexander to the front, <laughs> I just love the way he says that. And they shouted instructions to him. As he's kind of like this reluctant leader, right? And he motioned for silence in order to make a defense before the people. But when they realized he was a Jew, they shouted in unison for about two hours, Great is Artemis of the Ephesians. For two hours, they chanted. The city clerk quieted the crowd and said, Fellow Ephesians, doesn't all the world know that the city of Ephesus is the guardian of the temple of the great Artemis and of her image? which fell from heaven. Therefore, since the facts are undeniable, you ought to calm down and not to do anything rash. You have brought these men here, and they have neither robbed temples nor blasphemed our goddess. If then Demetrius and his fellow craftsmen have a grievance against anybody, the courts are open, and there are proconsuls, there's governors. They can press charges. If there's anything further you want to bring up, it must be settled in a legal assembly. So what they were concerned about is if they didn't handle things in a respectful and a diligent way, in a legal way, the Romans would come in and then nobody wanted the Romans to be involved more than they should be. As it is, we are in danger of being charged with rioting because of what happened here today. In that case, we would not be able to account for this commotion since there's no reason for it. And after he said this, he dismissed the assembly. Verse 1 of chapter 20. When the uproar had ended, Paul sent for his disciples, and after encouraging them, uh, he said goodbye and sent out for Macedonia, so for Philippi in the Philippi area. I'm going to stop there, Chris. Now I want you to, um, you can you know, keep a marker there if you want to, but I want you to go to 2 Corinthians, so go ahead a few pages there. Um, Paul would then write this. It was... It's more than his second letter. It's maybe his third or fourth letter to the Corinthians. We have record of two of them, 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians. But it is here that we get a picture, a window into how did this event affect Paul? Okay? How did it affect him? Verse 8 of chapter 1, 2 Corinthians. There we go. Chapter 1. 
We do not want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, about the troubles we experience in the province of Asia. Okay? This would be where he was in Ephesus. We were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure, so that we despaired for life itself. Indeed, we felt like we'd received the sentence of death. But this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God, who raises the dead. He has delivered us from deadly peril, and He will deliver us again. And on Him we have set our hope, and He will continue to deliver us. Wow, Paul says what? He goes, it was like the very life was being squeezed out of us through this, beyond our ability to withstand under it. You ever felt like life has done that to you? You don't have to raise your hand. But Paul definitely felt like his life was in danger. And he'd been in this place many times. But I think this time was a little different. And um, the magnitude of it, he was very afraid for his life, but also of his uh, fellow companions that were with him. Um, and he says, you know what? We thought we'd received the sentence of death and that we'd been pushed to our very limits. But he said, you know what, this wasn't all in vain because we learned that not to depend on upon ourselves but on God. Now I want you to go ahead to chapter 4 of 2 Corinthians. And Paul kind of dives in a little more into this of what happens when we're under pressure. And I got this ball here, so I'm going to use this in a little bit. But this is one of my favorite passages of Scripture, chapter 4, 7 through 10. Paul says, we have this treasure in jars of clay. So what is the treasure that Paul is talking about? If you kind of read up above, it is the presence of Christ. It's the light of Christ. He is the treasure within us, right? He's the valuable treasure. But that treasure is held, it is stored where? Earthen vessel. What's the earthen vessel? It's you and I, isn't it? We're the fragile clay, sometimes cracked pots, all right? We're human, right? But God places His presence within us. He's the valuable treasure that lives in this clay vessel. We have this treasure in jars of clay. Why? To show that the all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. Kind of echoes those words from chapter 1. We are hard-pressed on every side, but we're not crushed. Perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. We always carry around in our body the death of Christ. So the life of Jesus may be revealed in our body. You know, he says we're hard pressed on every side. That's to be brought into difficulties, distress, or suffering that has the potential to crush us. But he says we are not crushed. We're not left in a hopeless situation that has no escape. He says we're perplexed. You ever been perplexed? To be filled with confusion and not know what is happening or what to do next. He says we're perplexed, but we're not in despair. Despair is to lose one's emotional mental composure. In other words, yes, we might be in a time of perplexity, but God is going to be with us so that we are not left to emotional or mental demise. 
were persecuted. In other words, harassed due to one's beliefs. But we're not abandoned. He won't forsake us or left behind. We're struck down. That means to receive a blow that would send you to the ground. But we're not destroyed. We're not damaged beyond repair. And so in these verses, I want us just to pull out some points here in the few minutes we have left here. we got a few minutes. First of all, you can write these down. They're also in the bulletin there. The treasure within you is greater than the pressures that you are facing. The treasure that is within you is greater than the pressures you are facing. Paul says, you know what? We were under great pressure. This is verse 8 of chapter 1. Far beyond our ability to endure, so that we despaired for our very life. And so this is what we need to catch. When the pressure is on, it is then we discover the treasure within. That would be something good to repost, I think. When the pressure is on, it is then we discover the treasure within. Isn't that true? Sometimes we think, you know, God, why do you want to put us through this difficult moment? Why do you want to push us to the limit? It's because God has called us, one, to be a people of faith. But I believe that God does want to push us beyond our limits because He wants us to get where we're trying to rely on our own ability and where we trust Him and His power and His strength. When the pressure is on, it is then we discover the treasure within. And, and, and Paul would learn this. Paul was a very driven man. He was a very bold man. But he still asked the believers, hey, pray that I may declare the word of God boldly. And, and with all that, he found his limits. There was times that I believe Paul wanted to pack up his bags and go home. I believe he wanted to quit. And yet he kept on going. And it wasn't because this Paul was a supernatural person. It was because he found what it meant to trust in God and his power. In fact, he says in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, if you go a little for, further a little bit more, he'll say, my grace is sufficient for you. This is what Jesus says to him. He's, Paul's having this, this dialogue with God. You ever have those dialogues with God? Paul says, remove this thorn from me. And God says, No. Paul says, I pleaded with God three times and his answer was still, no. I thought God answered our prayers. I think he does. He doesn't always answer them the way we want us to, right? Or the way we want. And Jesus' response was, my grace is sufficient for you. My, for my power is made perfect in your weakness and weakness. Paul says, therefore, I'll boast all the more gladly in my weakness so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weakness and insults, hardships, persecution, and difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. The treasure within you is greater than the pressures you are facing. And I don't say that lightly, folks. I say, Paul lived it, folks. I think I've lived it in 30-some years of ministry. There's times where the pressure's been on. You know, and there was a football game. A lot of you maybe went to football games on Friday night. And, and uh, so this is not a football. This is a basketball, right? Okay, all right. It's a basketball. But this, you know, in, in, the, in the, you know, game, the sport of basketball, 
this is bounced or a shot, right? Sometimes it's fallen on, right, when they scramble for the ball. Football, same thing, they run it and they fall on it. You know. But they never get crushed, right? Why? Because of the what's inside, the air pressure on the inside. Now, if there's nothing on the inside, there's nothing to them, right? They can't, they're not resilient, they're not bouncy, they can't take abuse. But when there's something on the inside, they're almost indestructible unless you really put the pressure to them, right? The pressure, the treasure that you have within, I'm going to put that way, C.C. Spalding there. The pressure, the treasure you have within helps you to discover the treasure within, right? Amen. So in the same way, Christ's presence is the treasure that will sustain you when the pressure is on. Amen? Number two, human limitations allow God's mighty power to shine forth. Human limitations allow God's mighty power to shine forth. God gets the glory, not us. And I... You know, I know we're all godly, holy people, and we never would want to take glory for ourselves. All right? But we're human. We're human. You, you see that all the time when people get elevated to different positions. It's hard to give God the glory and not take it ourselves. Think, man, man, I really am gifted in that. I'm gifted in that. I'm special, right? And before no, we, we take the credit instead of giving it back to God. But human limitations allow God's mighty power to shine forth. So God gets the glory. And I know it applies to nobody here, but I think people, we're geared towards taking the glory to ourselves. And when God shines forth in these earthen vessels that are flawed, that are broken, that are fragile, that are imperfect, He receives Amen? You know, some of the greatest people that God has used throughout church history were deeply flawed people. I can guarantee you the disciples were not perfect people. And that's what was, that's what was in, incredibly confusing to the religious leader, leaders because here you had these uneducated fishermen that were out there doing miracles and, and seeing great things happen. And it was kind of like, how can that happen? They haven't gone to speech class. They haven't studied the scriptures like we have. You know, David, God used David mightily, but he was deeply flawed, folks. He failed in some pretty big ways. He was a murderer. He was an adulterer. To name a few. Um, How many saw Jesus' revolution? You went out and saw that? Yeah. And so Lonnie Frisbee, one of the key, no, the key guys there that helps this revival happen was a very flawed man, folks. He wrestled with his marriage and even his, who he was. He wasn't a perfect God. And even just with, I think he kind of wanted to gravitate towards where, uh, what do you call that, the showmanship side of things. He was a flawed person, and yet God used him to spark a great revival. And if you think God can't use flawed people, I, he, he does it every day. That, I think, is hopeful for a lot of us because we sometimes look at our limitations. Limitations, We say, there's no way that God can use us. You know what? 
I, I think God can use anybody that is yielded to him and is saying, hey, God, flow through me. He can use anybody. And the more human limitation there is, the more glory he receives. Hmm. Number three, God will never leave you or forsake you. Do I need to say that again? God will never leave you or forsake you. In the dark moments of life, his presence will assure us, his light will guide us, his power will sustain us. Let me say that again. In the dark moments of light, of life, his presence will assure us, his light will guide us, his power will sustain us. The last words of Jesus recorded in the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus says, he gives the Great Commission, right? Go into all the world, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And surely I am with you between 8 and 5 on weekdays. Is that what he says? He says, and surely I'm with you always, always, to the very end of the age. I'm with you always. You know, sometimes pastors aren't always available, sometimes when you want them. Try to be. But he's always available. Middle of the night, middle of the day. God is there and he doesn't leave us or forsake us. I, you know, I don't know how this message um, is hitting you, but maybe you're in that place where you feel the pressures of life are closing in around you. You know the movies, the movies, Indiana Jones, to name a few, you know, where they're in that room and the walls are closing in, you know, right? They're going to crush them. Sometimes we feel like that in life, right? But God says, you know what? Paul says, you know what? You will never be crushed. Will never. The pressure may be on, but the treasure within is greater than the pressures without. Uh, maybe you feel alone and abandoned that God has forsaken you. I think there are times in life where we do feel that way and God says, hey, I'm here, but you're going to have to trust me. You're going to have to walk by faith. Um, and God will leave us in those times. It's kind of like, he just wants us to trust him and walk by faith. He hasn't left us. He hasn't abandoned us. But he does want us to walk by faith. Paul experienced all those things, as did Jesus. Right? Jesus, even on the cross, he says, you know, he says, God, have, have you forsaken me? Right? Jesus has walked where we have walked, maybe sometimes more than we realize. He felt the pressure. He says, God, if you can take this cross away from me, I'm all in, but not my will, but your will be done. He felt the pressure. He sweat drops of blood like drops of blood. That's intense. This morning, I hope we can take hope and be encouraged. Um, can I promise that the rest of 2023 is going to be perfect? I, I can't make that promise. You know, when we got into 2020, we thought 2021 was going to be better, and I don't know if it necessarily was, right? Um, but what I can assure you of is that the treasure within you is greater than the pressures you're facing. That your human 
limitations allow God's mighty power to shine forth. When, when, when people on the outside looking at your life, when they see you steady, when they see you strong, even in the midst of the difficulties of life, and they say, how in the world is that person still standing? And that's when they come to you and they say, what, what's different with your life? Because God's presence is shining out. And it's kind of like you, are all, you all are worried about sharing your faith. But when you, when you live it out in your life, people, and they see the glory of God on your life and your, His presence in your life, they're going to come to you and say, hey, what's different with your life? It's kind of like it's a lob, right? And you just, all you have to do is hit the home run, right? And you say, hey, I invited Christ into my life. It's made all the difference. And lastly, God will never leave you or forsake you. I'm going to have the musicians come. And... Um, I'm going to keep talking here because we've got a minute here. You know, I don't know. Maybe this is right where you are at. And so at, during the closing song, I just want you to reach out and, and just invite God's presence here. Maybe you know somebody that is in this situation right now. They're just really going through a difficult moment. And I think we can pray with them. Sometimes we always want to fix things. I feel that as a pastor. Sometimes I just want to fix people's situation. And that's the hardest thing as a pastor is to not fix people's situation, but to stand with them in prayer and say, just believe together with God that he's going to work this out. And God does answer those prayers. Amen? He does answer those prayers. Amen? Um, so let Christ shine through this earthen vessel, your earthen vessel. And... Uh, let him be glorified. Amen. Would you stand this morning? I'm going to lead us in a prayer of salvation. Try to do this every week. Because I just don't know if there's somebody here that just needs to put their faith in Christ or maybe rededicate their life to Christ. Um, but he is our hope. He is our salvation. He is the one that went to the cross for our sin so that we could have the hope of heaven. Today maybe is your day, your day of salvation, your day to be set free, your day to experience his joy in your heart, to know that your sin has been removed, your sins are forgiven, and you have peace with God. Amen. So would you pray with me saying, Dear God, forgive me of my sin, cleanse me of all unrighteousness, come into my heart, be my Lord and my Savior and help me to walk each day with you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. And Lord, this morning, you know each one that is here and, uh, and Lord, maybe there are here, those that are here that the, the pressure has just been a little too intense. It seems like more than what they can bear they feel like it could crush them. They feel like it could destroy them. They feel like maybe there's no way out. Just like Paul felt. But Lord, the promise in your word is that we have this treasure in jars of clay. 
to show that the all-surpassing power is from God and not, not us. We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. And Lord God, I pray that above all, that you would be glorified in our lives, that you would strengthen us. Lord God, that we would discover your mighty power at work in our lives like never before. Like never before. Lord, we give you the praise. We give you the glory. In your name we pray. Let's worship the Lord together. If you have a prayer or need, you, uh, we'll have people up here up front. Um, I will be here. And uh, praise God to pray with you and uh, to lift you up. Anna, could you take that side? this morning I pray that you would just come and be that treasure within. Fill us with your presence and with who you are Lord. Lord that's still one of the greatest mysteries how a holy and awesome God can come and dwell within us that we can be the temple of your Holy Spirit. But Lord God come and cleanse us, purify us and let your spirit dwell within us and empower us Fill us with your joy, with your peace. Lord God, our, we don't live in a perfect world, but Lord God, you have promised that your joy and your peace would be there regardless, and you will not fail us. Lord God, truly the treasure within us is greater than the pressures from without. And so Lord God, when the pressure is on, that is probably the greatest moment that the glory of God may shine through our life. It's an opportunity because in our weakness and in our difficulties, that's when God is glorified and we discover the power and the presence of Christ. It's not a time to be discouraged. It's not a time to, to quit. It's not a time to tuck our tail and run. It's a time to trust and stand and see God show up and to see God glorified in our life. And Lord God, go with your people this day. May your blessing go with us, Lord God. May your favor go with us this week. Let us be the salt of the earth and light of the world. And take your glory with us. Lord, there's so many people, so many people that don't have the hope of Christ in their life. So Lord God, give us. Give us those opportunities and let your glory shine through our life. We give you the thanks give you the praise. We ask it in your precious name. Everybody said? Amen. Amen. God bless this morning. Greet each other as you leave. Coffee. Have coffee. God bless you this morning.